Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. As we progress through middle age, especially in our 50s, most of us may begin to experience occasional forgetfulness, whether it's searching for car keys, drawing an embarrassing blank on the name of someone you know you've met before, or spaced out on some trivia fact you're certain that you know. If you're like me, you jokingly explain you're having a temporary senior moment, or you claim you simply were distracted. But what if it's something much more serious? Worst case, the early stages of Alzheimer's disease or another form of memory-robbing dementia. And my next guest, author Kalen Maddox, was happily married to his wife Martha for 25 years, when in 1997, seemingly out of the clear blue, she was diagnosed at the way-too-young age of 50 with early-stage Alzheimer's, and this diagnosis instantly changed everything in the Maddox family. From uh, future prospects, uh, went from, plunged from light to dark, and Kalen Maddox uh, reports that he researched feverishly, but to no avail for a cure or a solution to at least slow his wife's disease progression. Uh, and as it turned out, uh, with Kaylin as a caregiver, caregiver constantly at her side, Martha battled Alzheimer's for 17 years before finally passing away at age 67 in 2014. And Carlin Maddox is here to offer practical advice for navigating the crisis of Alzheimer's. And if your spouse isn't an Alzheimer's vis- uh, victim, uh, perhaps by listening you may be able to help someone else, maybe a close relative, a dear friend, or an acquaintance from your church or community. And here's Kalen uh, Maddox's bio. He's a former journalist for the St. Petersburg, now the Tampa Bay Times. Carlin Maddox then quit the paper to launch his own successful regional business magazine. And over 17 years, from his wife's diagnosis until her death, he served as primary caregiver and dearest companion, uh, journaling the ups and downs of their lives. And Carlin recently expanded his journal into the inspirational 2016 book he titled Path Revealed, How Hope, Love, and Joy Found Us Deep in a Maze Called Alzheimer's. And hello, Carlin Maddox, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Uh, Roy, good, good morning to you. How are you doing? Well, it's, you were uh, revealing your book that, uh, that prior to 1997, your uh, wife Martha had been a very positive, energetic uh, act, uh, individual, active in politics, and uh, she served in many community causes. And in the weeks yes. and months prior to her diagnosis, did you notice any significant changes to her overall health, behavior, or energy? Uh, uh, yes, um, not so much in terms of her, her energy. Martha's energy level was always twice mine. She just wore me out too often. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, Martha had served on the 
St. Petersburg City Council here in Florida oh, yeah. for six years in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, then the year before her diagnosis, Martha was diagnosed in September of 97. The year before that, she was running for an open seat in the Florida State Legislature. Oh, I and and um, she and the three other candidates for this position uh, during the primary were speaking at the most influential uh, setting uh, in the whole campaign. It was called the Tiger Bay Club here. Yeah. And each of the candidates had to respond to the questions put to them from the audience. Yeah. And um, I'd seen Martha in that kind of a setting just dozens of times through the years. And she generally was uh, quite responsive, was quick on her toes, came, came forward with answers that uh, just filled with common sense and practicality. Yeah. And uh, it, But on this occasion, uh, in July of 96, Martha had to ask for every question to be repeated. Hmm. And, uh, and then when she did answer, most of the answers were just slightly off. They were askew by a few degrees and didn't quite make sense with what hmm. uh, had, she had been asked. Uh, when we got home, uh, I said, Martha, what went on? What, what was going on there? And Martha looked at me puzzled and says, what do you mean? I, everything went fine. And so I didn't know what that meant. I, I knew something was wrong. Something was happening. But that was the, that was the first telltale sign that, I, that hit me between the eyes. Yeah. And uh, our children began to also notice her uh, being forgetful of names. And if you're into politics, you don't forget names. You don't forget appointments. No. And she was doing that more frequently, oh, and but it took us it took us a year, a full year, to get Martha in to uh, to see a doctor. To, yeah, you don't to really expect Alzheimer's when you're only just turning fifty. It's usually you know people over sixty five. Uh, well, I guess it. Uh, uh, Roy, I, I had I if I'd heard of Alzheimer's, I didn't I hadn't paid any attention to it yeah. at that age and. Uh, so that wasn't even on my mind. I, I I don't know what what was going on, but it, that that didn't cross my mind. Well, we've uh, all heard of Alzheimer's, but I'm not certain that that many of us know that much about it. I know you're not a medical professional, but you've studied it uh, very extensively. Can you briefly yeah. describe what goes on in the brain of an Alzheimer's victim? Uh, victim, and uh, where does the disease begin? How does it progress? And what's the most common eventual cause of death? Uh, you've asked a lot of complicated questions yeah, there, Roy. I don't mean to get that, complicated. That uh, my reading of the research, they're still uh, scratching their head trying to figure out what causes Alzheimer's. Yeah, that's true. What, yeah. are, what are the early signs of it? You were talking about being forgetful and not remembering names and whatever else. That's not so much a sign. A, a, a clear uh, indication would be if someone is saying, beginning to say to themselves, why did I even want to go there? Where was yeah. I going and what, what was the point of even going there? Yeah. Or what was the point of wanting to make a phone call? What was the call I was willing to make? But more important, what was the reason? That is a more telltale sign than just a 
an occasional forgetfulness. Uh, but anyway, uh, something's going on in the brain uh, in terms of uh, they call uh, excessive protein or or whatever else going on there. And I, yeah. I don't want to bore us. No, I know it's basically brain cells die and the connections between them deteriorate, and I, I know it does talk about yeah. the that protein yeah. somehow being involved. We don't need to get into all that kind of No, it's, it's, that's not that's that's not going to be helpful to any of us at, no. at this point. Well, but, over the years uh, as it progressed, how did Alzheimer's impact Martha's mood, behavior and communication skills and quality of life? Early on was she noticeably uh different from the person you'd known and loved for 25 years and uh, could she still drive, live independently and perform routine tasks? And uh, toward the end, when, when did it uh, really start to okay. impact her so that, uh, you know, she lost communication skills and some of those other well, common? The, um, uh, we were told by the doctor that Martha should stop driving. Oh, I see. But I just couldn't bring myself to that. Uh, Martha was still very much uh, attentive as a driver and able to drive. Uh, so she drove another year or two before oh. I had to way but the most the most significant thing Roy uh, was as soon as we got the diagnosis I could just see Martha's confidence just plummet huh, just, yeah, just go and, and she was always a very confident person uh, when we got home uh, after we had a long cry uh, got home after the diagnosis um, Martha says I do not want to tell a soul. Hmm. I don't want to tell my parents. I don't want to tell our three children. I do not want to tell my friends. And I don't want to tell my brothers. Yeah. Uh, that was a hard that was a hard thing to follow, but uh Martha did. And um the uh, the the thing that I I guess that I, I want to share with folks who are interested in this is you, you don't have to go into deep isolation. Uh, there, in 1997, when Martha was diagnosed, the stigma attached to dementia and to Alzheimer's was just very significant. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so and, unfortunate. And, and and it's and it's still out there, but it's less so. I've come across a lot of people who say, who, who tell me, and who've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, who tell me that. I am I am not struggling or fighting Alzheimer's. I am I am a person who lives with Alzheimer's and I am living with it. I am doing the best I can and whatever else. And that is just a dramatic change in outlook. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, it's great to fight against the effects of it, but uh, to really get you don't want to give in, and yet you have to recognize that you have it. I can see what you're saying there. It's uh, it, it's, it's it's a real paradox. Yeah. And but there there. Are, Quite a few folks that, I mean, there's one man I know up in the Northeast, Greg O'Brien, who's diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and he himself has written a book about his whole experience. Oh wow! And and that's that's pretty amazing. It's pretty outstanding. Uh, and uh, I've come across others uh, like this, but so the the key is, as you're saying, not to give into it, but you have to. Uh, as you go about your day and have to, and uh, as a caregiver or as the person living with the disease, 
you need to communicate with people and, and, and let them know and so that they've got a perspective on what's going on. Well, how about uh, your advice, or maybe some advice for fellow caregivers? Did you serve as your wife Martha's primary caregiver throughout the full seventeen years? Did she remain uh, in your I, home, and uh, did you have a lot of help? I mean, I, I don't know how you could uh, continue to earn a living or do anything else if you were a full-time caregiver, and I don't know how much care she needed. But uh, what advice would you have on that? I. I, I did serve as Martha's primary caregiver. Yeah. Uh, after about two years, I was I was still publishing and editing our regional magazine at yeah. the time, and I, was, I, I continued to do that. And I was fortunate enough; we were making enough money that I could I hired someone to come in during the day to oh. be with Martha when when we had to do that. Yeah. That... Uh, there, are, I've come across a number of people who who are not that fortunate and are doing it 24-7. Wow. Uh, the other aspect is after in the 10th uh, year of this, 10th or 11th year in 2008, yeah. uh, we needed to move Martha into a nursing home. Oh, I see. Uh, and uh, that was when the caregivers who were taking care of Martha at home told me, said, Carlin, we can't do this any longer. Yeah. We're, just, we're, we're not physically capable of doing this. And so I, I did that. And here in Florida, I was very fortunate to get Martha up on Medicaid oh, nice. uh, and went, worked with an elder care lawyer to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and Medicaid covered the, the great share of the cost in the nursing home. Uh, and that that cost was nine to ten thousand dollars a month. I would be broke today if we're not able to do that. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's very important. Just as soon as you get this kind of diagnosis, to start looking at your finances, to start looking at the legal issues, as well as just the care issues. Yeah. Well, in uh, your book, a path revealed that uh, it's not a really a self help book or. A, a book about the negatives. It's it's more a, an an inspiring story. That uh, what what changed your attitude from the hopeless uh, belief you have, and then was there one event or a series of events that changed your mind and uh, gave you inspiration and uh, and divine realization that uh, it could be a learning experience. It wasn't all negative, and that uh, faith was important. Roy. Um uh, back when Martha told me that she did not want to speak to anyone, yeah. there was one person that she was willing to talk to, and that was a retired Presbyterian minister who had been friends with Martha long before Martha and I uh, got married. Oh, and uh, his name was Lacey Harwell, and so she was willing to talk to Lacey about this. Oh. And And so we invited him over. And as we talked and cried and shared with each other, uh, he said, you know, uh, there is a friend of mine up in Kentucky who is a, uh, a retreat director at the Sisters of Loretta uh, community. Yeah. And I said, I would just really encourage you to go visit with her. I, I've sent a lot of my friends and church members who are in a, one crisis or another yeah. to visit with her. Her name was Sister Elaine. Yeah. 
after Lacey left, Martha and I talked about it, and then we decided to go visit her. And we uh, called her and set an appointment to go up there for a week. And uh, that was three weeks after her diagnosis. We drove up to Kentucky. And so this was sort of the opening. I mean, the, the focus of my book is not the Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's yeah. is the context. The focus is the what I call the spiritual odyssey oh, wow. that unfolded. Uh, now, I'm Christian and I grew up Christian, but this what I'm sharing in the book doesn't have to be just basically Christian-based. Uh, but anyway, Sister Elaine... We spent a week with her, and we had some great conversations with her. Uh, but uh, her, her her message to us as we left was, was something like this. Uh, it's, it's now time for you to understand that you are loved by God and that you love each other in ways that you probably have not before. Yeah, and uh, and so from that, they, I, I, I probably counting Lacey Harwell, Sister Lane. There were a total of three or four mentors, spiritual guides along the way, that helped us through this process. And and these guides sort of, uh, they, I didn't go seeking them; they just sort of showed up at sort of the right times. And, and it, uh, so uh, you reveal that there was one word that completely altered your journey of discovery from hopelessness to thankfulness. And what is that one word that uh, you discovered? That uh, I'm okay. I'm, you're catching me. I'm not quite sure. The uh, one it was it, one it was in your book. That word was gratitude. You mentioned it. Well, when you the word. Thanking certain, God for Martha's life, for Carlton's love, and for your journey and everything else that. Uh, that gra- gra- gratitude is the word, and that's that equates with being thankful. Uh, but I, I go back to our conversation with Sister Elaine, and as we were talking to her, she was looking at both Martha and me. Martha was into politics. I had an entrepreneurial-type magazine that uh, was trying to make that grow. She said, you know, you might want to understand the difference between willfulness and willingness. Huh. Being b- between being willful and between being willing, huh. I didn't understand what she meant at all. But uh, th- those those two words, willful versus willing, became sort of the tracks that I bounced back and forth all the way through this journey. Huh. And by being willful, it means I'm going to be headstrong. I'm going to get through this. Yeah. I'm going to push. Did we find a solution? Well, there was no solution for us. Yeah. This is the first time that Martha and I had come up against a problem that we just couldn't find our way out of. Yeah. And and so we had to begin to understand what it meant to uh, trust God, to trust this power that was greater than us, and how we got on through this. Well, and. There, there were several key moments that was just uh, the hardest moments through this whole time for us. Uh, the first one being just the diagnosis itself. Yeah. Uh, a, a second one was when I finally decided I had to take away Martha's car keys. Oh, yeah. And that was just very upsetting for her, and it was very upsetting for me. Yeah. 
Uh, a, a third time, Roy, was one morning about five years into this that um, Martha had a full seizure. I was down in the kitchen getting breakfast ready, and I heard a thud upstairs. I ran upstairs, and I found Martha just curled up on the ground and in a, in a, uh, just, a, just, just curled up in yeah. a ball. And I had never seen somebody in a full seizure before. Uh, and then the fourth time was just having to make the decision that it was time for Martha to move into a nursing home. Yeah. But no. all those moments, uh, somehow, rather than give in to those moments, and I gave in to them, I mean, I became fear, uh, fearful and upset and anxious, but there was something... Uh, some force beyond ourselves that helped pull us through those moments and to sort of transcend those moments. And, that's and, and, and that that's what you're uh, alluding to, I think. Yeah. Well, where's the best place for listeners to preview and purchase your book, A Path Revealed, How Hope, Love, and Joy Found Us Deep in a Maze Called Alzheimer's? Where's the best place to go to? You can uh, you can uh, get that uh, you can order that from any local bookstore. They wouldn't probably would not have it in their inventory. Yeah. Or you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, and they would have it there. Yeah. Um, my name is Carlin C A R L E N Maddux M A D D U X. And that's or, your website uh, also, right? CarlinMaddox.com. Right. CarlinMaddox.com. Yeah. And uh, and give you a chance to look at the reviews on that and uh, at Amazon. That's where most of the reviews are, are on Amazon. And uh, I've also started a blog uh, a year before my book came out that you can locate that on my website, uh, carlinmaddox.com. So, yeah, those are, the, those are the several places you can go. Well, I'm certain you'll agree that my guest, Carlin Maddox, has one heck of a story to tell. Without warning in what seemed like an instant, his, Carlin, his wife Martha, and their three children went from an active, positive, and well-adjusted family unit into a dark, alien world shaped and defined by that horrible disease, Alzheimer's. But remarkably, Carlin's story is not a journey of hopelessness. Instead, it's a story of faith and hope, a spiritual path that helped guide Carlin, his wife, and his three children to transcend the dreaded disease and his book can be an inspiration for you and me to overcome our darkest hour it could be an alzheimer's diagnosis but it might be cancer heart disease job loss home foreclosure bankruptcy divorce uh, death of a loved one any number of crises and when hit by a life-altering disaster you and i have two choices wilt under the sorrow and spend the rest of our lives sorrowful and unfulfilled, uh, living with regret, mourning our loss, and continually asking why me or why my wife or why my husband. Or second, we can launch a journey of discovery, commit ourselves to overcoming the setback, and emerge with gratitude for memories that we can treasure, positive things we learned along the way about ourselves, and a positive outlook on our future. And clearly, Carlin Maddox emerged from his 17-year journey with a ladder, and I highly recommend you visit the carlinmaddox.com website and preview and purchase his book, 
a path revealed. And I thank you, Carlin. You've indeed been an inspiration to us all. Oh, I thank you very much. Good and to, talk to our you. listeners, tune in again next week for further inspiration from different aspects of why middle age can be your best age. Thank you so much, Carla. Thank you. We are in the early stages of spring, and here in the northern hemisphere, that's our season of reawakening, the season of new beginnings. And if you're like me, each spring invites you to recreate yourself as flowers bloom. Would you like to make this the year when you start fresh, leave behind self-defined limitations, and create for yourself a low-stress, joyful, and fulfilling second half of life? Well, the good news, positive midlife transformation tends to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can shape yourself through your choice of actions, what you will do, when you will do it, and how you will devote your time. And my next guest, Colin Treadwell of Talk Travel Advisors, is here to convince us that one of the greatest positive agents for change is travel. And Colin is author of the popular monthly online newsletter, Musings from Colin's World. And hello, Colin Treadwell, and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's great to, great to be with you. Well, to begin, you reveal that there are two reasons why travel is one of the greatest agents of change. What are the two reasons? Oh, gosh. Well, let's see here. Um, I have to remember what I wrote. The two, uh, uh, one is, is that you just actually get yourself up and get moving. And, uh, and then uh, that in itself is, a, is, a real, is really conducive to change. And uh, yeah, you when stop you doing into, what you've been doing, the same routine and immersing yourself in a, a new environment, different situation is, is certainly one way of changing exactly. things. Exactly. I should, I should hire you to write my uh, pieces for me. You're, <laughs> just, you're saying exactly what I'm just reading I what, what you said in your newsletter, actually. Uh, great. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, once you, once you, uh, I mean, the, the actual, uh, act of will of getting up and doing it, making the move, that in itself is huge. And yeah. it's a catalyst for change. And then once you, once you get out there, all your conditioning is challenged at every point. You have, uh, um, you know, everything that you're used to, just as you just said, every day happening the same, the same day beginning again in the morning and the same week beginning on Monday, all that is wiped away and you are able to uh, experience things that challenge you at every moment. I think that uh, I think travel is the best education, depending, of course, on how you travel, but um, it's just constantly, uh, all of your senses are engaged at all times and you're constantly confronted with new things that inspire you to think new ways. And it's... Uh, yeah, especially if you really immerse yourself in the culture and aren't just, uh, you know, isolating yourself from the the natives of whatever area you travel to. <laughs> you Absolutely. talk to people that live there and not really get into it. But uh, And that's an interesting uh thing because uh of the how one does that, how you immerse yourself somewhere is a is a challenge and it's it's fun to just take off and go somewhere and just arrive there and, and look around and see whatever happens. But it's also very valuable to have uh, somebody who can lead you uh, 
and show you the place and and uh someone preferably who's educated and uh, about the place and is competent at, at, at showing you those special things and um it's uh it's just uh it's a good it's a good way to do it i think uh that's that's one thing with with uh, traveling with a uh, with some sort of a of a tour company because they that's their profession and they know how to make the most out of that yeah, one there's two types two of tours I've been on, and uh, one was horrible. It, it was like if it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium, that kind of thing. Where we were on a bus the whole time, and went from one country to another, and then yeah. rode all night from Rome to uh, Paris on a train, and had to tour the very first thing the next morning <laughs> because the hotel wasn't ready, <laughs> and that yeah. kind of thing. And then there were great tours I've been on, where like we were just in Ireland and the British Isles uh, for a two-week stay and really got to see, you know, the local um, countries and had guides, but also got to do things on our own. And that was a yes, very enlightening Yeah, and the, the If It's Tuesday, it must be Belgium style of travel has haunted the travel industry for 50 years or so. <laughs> and, and, and tour operators are all trying very hard to distance themselves from that. And it's interesting because we're seeing the millennials uh, gravitating towards structured tours again because uh, it's a good way to immerse yourself. You have people who who uh, have insider access, so you can get in somewhere where you couldn't go if you just drove in yourself. So it's a, it's an odd thing because it, the the uh, reputation of uh, escorted tours was really sullied with those really bad sort of factory style tours. <laughs> and this tours. one guy, this tour, it was led by a fellow from Germany, and he, you will have your suitcases in the and outside the room by 6:30 a.m. You will be on the bus at seven, and you. <laughs> We have ways of making you be on time in the morning. Yes. <laughs> well, you point Thank out the you. travel that creates a positive, potentially life-changing experience before, during, and after the trip. And uh, I think it's interesting how you point that out. How does that work? Well, uh, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, you have you may have a week that you're actually on the tour, yeah. but in your imagination, as soon as you know you're going on that tour, you can start experiencing things as a result of of your anticipation. And you can be reading, you can be you know looking at movies, or TV shows, or whatever yeah. that that uh, will help to. Uh, enhance your trip when you go and then you have if you really challenge yourself you can start learning a little of the um, language (laughs) yes it's a great opportunity to to, practice up on the language that you've learned a little and then when you leave it's uh, i I, you i mean i find myself to be changed you know the the old saying that once a, a mind has been stretched to accommodate a new idea it never goes back to its original dimension, and I think that uh, I always feel like wherever wherever I've been, it almost creates a room in my mind mm. where I can go back to that place for the rest of my life. You know, I've, I've been in the Sistine Chapel and looked at the ceiling, and I can draw that back into my imagination anytime I want, and it, it very much enhances my my joy of life for the rest of my life. So it's uh, it's an amazing 
investment of a week. One point you made that I really like is, as you point out, we have so limited control over so many aspects of our life, and you know we don't turn our career path around in a dime, and uh, you know we're not going to discard our present spouse for another one without. I'm not recommending anyone do that, but you know, choosing a vacation and what you're going to do is is a point where you can make your own decisions and. Uh, really change something that you have experienced, something you haven't experienced before, uh, a lot more easy than you can to change jobs or, or something like that. So it's a great yeah, way to grow on, on, on the quick, in other words. It's true. It's, it's a very special moment to have a vacation and to be able to just put everything aside and do what you really, just what you want and, and your, your uh, range of possibilities is fantastic you know that you can go anywhere in the world and you can do anything you want and and you don't have to be wealthy necessarily to to do amazing things that are priceless for your the rest of your life so it's a it's an amazing take a few moments to talk about some of the exciting travel opportunities through talk i reckon i noticed from your website that you have offer travel options in five different general categories. Can you please identify these five categories and highlight what each category offers? Because I thought those were fascinating. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I'm I'm actually a, a, a writer who, who works for Talc, and I'm not in the middle of it, so I can't necessarily list those five categories for you right now. But I have a general idea that uh, the uh, – you know, as you pointed out before, you've been on bad tours and you've been on good tours. Yeah. And that may differ from person to person. So some people want a very active tour and, and some people want a tour that's a, that's not quite as, as hard physically to do. Yeah. And then there's family travel, which is huge, hugely popular and, and also a wonderful way of enriching not only your own experience, but your your family connections and so forth. So, uh, Talc has uh, its Bridges program. Yeah, yeah the Bridges program. That. that was one of the five. And just to let people know, they had European river cruising, small ship cruising, land journeys, that family travel, and uh, talk events, which you go like a single departure and uh, go to a theme uh, travel experience that offer uh, exclusive access to places and experiences you can't do on your own, which I think is fascinating. Like I mentioned, the New Orleans Jazz Week. <laughs> that is yeah, one of them, that is, type of thing. Yes, it's it, Talc has, has taken now. Talc has been in business since 1925, and they've really. I mean, they were a, a, one of the creators of the modern touring business, and uh, with all this experience, they have. Uh, developed a lot of uh of ways of uh a lot of understanding of 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 uh how you know how people travel and, and what's the best way uh to travel and um let's see here you were saying um your point uh what was your last question i'm sorry well i was just wanted you to describe the five areas that they they cover i know they also have tours Throughout the world, you can choose wherever you want to go, from Africa to Asia to uh, Antarctica. Well, you have one cruise, I think, even goes to Antarctica. So 
You can pretty much yeah. choose where you want to go. And, uh... Yeah, and, and the, the, the different styles of travel. River cruising is an amazing uh, yeah. way to travel because you get uh, – that nice ease of being able to just move into your cabin and and have that be your headquarters for the whole week you don't have or the two weeks or whatever it is, and you don't have to uh, be uh, packing and unpacking all the time. But it, but it's not just out on the ocean. No, it's going right through the middle of the cities and the old what used to be the highways of the world yeah. before we had. My you know, problem would be I, I wouldn't want to sleep and miss any of the journey. I don't know if they, they travel only during the day and dock at night so people can sleep because I wouldn't want to miss any of that. But uh, And they yeah. also, I know, stop at various uh, destinations along the way. So it, it sounds like a really great thing to do. Well, I know that Talk has a brand-new website, a newly redesigned website. What's the address we should go to to... Uh, well, you should go to talc.com, T-A-U-C-K.com. That gives you the, the overall website. If you want to look at the uh, Colin Treadwell musings, uh, you can go just put a slash and put Colin at the end of that. Oh, okay. That's so it's talc.com slash Colin. So, uh, can people sign up to get your... Uh musings automatically or, or do they just need to do that? I, yes and I'm, I'm i wish i had uh the exact uh, uh but i'm sure if you go to the site there's a there must be a button there i'm not looking at it right now but uh there is a, a big uh you know a, a newsletter that i mean there's a big mailing list that it goes out to so i know you can get onto it so if you go to uh yeah talc, uh, dot com slash column and then uh just look at that page i'm sure there's a way i'm sorry <laughs> And I also know that it's very interesting. Uh, there was a facility on the talk website where you can sort of design your own or search for your own specific vacation of where you might want to go and you fill in some information that lists all the trips and uh, tours that are available in that area. So that was a fascinating aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's a, it's a, there's a huge range of things, and it's kind of fun to poke around and, and see, you know, look at your preferences and see where it leads you. It might not be what you expected, but it might be a nice surprise. Those family tours really sound great, too, because I, one of the most biggest concerns I would have is, you know, most of us in our middle age have teenagers and preteens, and they all have their own ideas of what they want to do, and uh, trying to arrange a tour that on your own that would keep everyone in the family happy would would seem like a nightmare to me, and you're likely to end up coming home more tired than when you began. But if, uh, you know, they really That's have good exactly. organization for the whole family, it would be great to have a, a tour like that. So those, those family talk bridges sound fascinating to me. Yeah, that you put your finger right on it. You know, the, the, the typically what happens, I think, it, it tends to fall to the to the to the mother the matriarch you know to plan everything and and set everything up and so she's really sort of working overtime instead of getting a, a vacation yeah yeah got some professional people who've been there they've been around they know how to do it and it's it's beautifully done it's in in these days when it's a struggle really for any of us to pull ourselves away from our screens and our phones, especially the younger generation, and it's hard for people to get their children's attention. 
So uh, to be able to go to a place where you can have so much to engage you that you actually may be able to get away from your phone for a while and, and really That'd enjoy each other. Rule, no phones allowed. <laughs> yeah. That's become an attraction itself, just being being able to get away from your phone for a while. Well, in conclusion, over the years, I don't know how many folks I've heard declare that they simply were too busy at work and just couldn't afford to take a real extended vacation this year. And I'm certain that my guest, Colin Treadwell, would agree that decision not only is harmful both to your energy and your spirit, and in the end it's also counterproductive because few, if any of us, can work straight through week after week, month after month without a break. And if you desire a better life and a new, improved you, and who doesn't, staying mired down in the same routine is not going to get you where you want to go. And for God's sake, take advantage of all the vacation days you have earned this year and spend them on travel that will expand not only your own horizons, but those of your spouse and kids as well. And please don't automatically spend your vacation this year and every year at the same old cabin and annual trek to Lake Tahoe or the Jersey Shore. And sure, these are great destinations, just not the same rental cabin in the same place doing the same activities every single year. And to explore possibilities uh, for a genuinely expansive and fun vacation this year, I recommend... You explore the fascinating opportunities at talk.com, that's T-A-U-C-K.com. And whether you're 43, 56, 64, you're never too old to expand your horizons. And uh, why in the heck do you want to stay stuck yet another year? And thank you, Colin Treadwell, for alerting us of the uh, many uh, talk vacation opportunities. Well, thank you so much. That you stated that so beautifully. I we have uh, we are of like mind, and we could go on for hours on those subjects. I'm sure yes, we certainly could pick a few specific vacations and talk the heck out of it. May you continue to enjoy your personal travel all over the planet, and to all you listeners, happy trails to you wherever they may lead in 2019 or 2020, whatever. And bye for now from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal training system by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 